Welcome back to Ankle Surgery Update Science Guiding Treatment, your favorite foot and ankle podcast. We are Hans and Sebastian and your hosts. Today we would like to present and discuss two recent published articles on osteochondral lesions. The articles chosen are Clinical and Magnetic Resonance Imaging Outcomes of Microfracture plus Chitosan Blood Implant versus Microfracture for Osteochondral Lesions of the Talus by Kermakurchu et al. published in Foot and Ankle International. The second is, is there clinical evidence to support autologous matrix-induced chondrogenesis, AMIC, for chondral defects in the talus? A systematic review and meta-analysis by Professor Walter et al. published in Foot and Ankle Surgery. But let's have a listen on new trends in the treatment of chondral lesions. Sebastian, what about you start with the first paper? Awesome. The first paper is entitled Clinical and Magnetic Resonance Imaging Outcomes of Microfracture plus Chitosan Blood Implant versus Microfracture for Osteochondral Lesions of the Talus by Kamuku et colleagues. Symptomatic osteochondral lesions remain a challenge in full and surgery. The evolution of arthroscopy has evolved the operative treatment options. Several authors recommend arthroscopic debridement and microfracture as first-line treatment with success rates of 82% as reported, for example, in a systematic review by Damon. More recent development are cartilage regeneration techniques such as AMIC or autologous chondrocyte implantation and cartilage repair techniques such as chitosan-based scaffolds. These scaffolds are used in combination with microfracturing to promote hyaline cartilage regeneration. It impedes blood clot retraction and clot adhesivity to the lesion. Its generic name is Cargel Bioscaffold, manufactured by Smith & Nephew. It currently is not available in the US. The authors conducted a retrospective study comparing 31 patients treated by microfracturing only to 32 patients treated by microfracturing plus Cargel Bioscaffold. All procedures were done arthroscopically. The allocation to treatment can be considered semi-randomized, as the Cargel Bioscaffold was not available prior to 2017. Therefore, the microfracture group was treated between 2015 and 2017 and the Cargel Bioscaffold group between 2017 and 2019. Included were patients aged 18 to 55 years with a focal osteochondral lesion smaller than 2 cubic centimeters, stage 2 to 4 according to the haplic classification. Almost 50% of patients of both groups had a stage 3 lesion, which resembles a detached but undisplaced fragment. The remaining patients were equally distributed between stage 2 and 4 lesions. Patients must have had a minimum follow-up of at least 12 months. Exclusion criteria included previous ankle surgery or fractures, presence of ankle instability or osteoarthritis. The surgical procedure was similar in both groups, but the additional application of the Cargel bioscaffold. The post-op protocol included non-weight bearing for 6 weeks and active ankle motion exercises starting immediately post-op. Again, similar for both groups. The patient reported outcome was assessed using the visual analog scale for pain and the AOFAS score at final follow-up. The osteochondral lesion was assessed by MRI preoperatively using the Hepley classification and 12 months postoperatively using the MOCAT system. Based on the presented flowchart, only 5% were lost to follow-up. Both groups were similar in demographics, lesion size and location, as well as etiology and duration of symptoms but the mean follow-up differed significantly between the two groups. 37 plus minus 10 months for the microfracture group versus 27 plus minus 9 months for the Cordial Bioscaffold group, p smaller 0.001. 
No major complications were reported, but 8% minor complications. The MOCAD score one year postoperatively did not differ significantly between the two groups. The patient-reported outcome measures improved significantly between preoperative and final follow-up, p smaller 0.001. The VAR score decreased overall by 5.5 points, from 8.7 points to 3.1 points. The AOFAS total score, on average, by 39 points, from 50.8 to 90.1 points. Again, no consistent significant group differences were found. Based on their results, the authors concluded the cargel bioscaffold, in addition to arthroscopic microfracturing, did not result in superior radiologic or patient-reported outcome measures when compared to the arthroscopic microfracturing alone. Hans, what are your thoughts on this paper? Thanks, Sebastian, for the summary of the paper. The authors presented a pseudo-randomized trial investigating one of the hot-discussed topics in foot and ankle surgery. Do adjuvants such as PRP or scaffolds improve the outcome in chondral or osteochondral lesions compared to bone stimulation for microfracturing alone? The study was pseudo-randomized by the implementation of a new procedure. The only limitation this type of randomization has is the fact that it does result in a significant different follow-up period. The two groups compared herein differed by almost one year, which might favor the Kajai bioscaffold group with a shorter follow-up period. Another thing I noticed is that they did not test for normal distribution and did not conduct an alpha level correction. From our experience, PROMs, especially if you look at the final follow-up PROMs, they are not normally distributed. This would have implications on the statistics applied and therefore maybe on the results as well. Similar considerations stay true for the alpha level correction. The authors conducted a careful comparison of the two groups, but they only compared the problem between the two groups. It would be nice to know whether any of the assessed parameters, including demographics, Romex score, or HAPL classification, were independent risk factors for bad patient-reported outcome. We believe that the multivariant analysis is really helpful in these cases. It does allow not only to identify those parameters having an influence on the outcome parameter, but also does give you an idea about the effects those parameters have between each other. The major limitation I see with this paper is the included patient core. Based on the duration of symptoms prior to surgery and the HAPL scores, one does get the feeling that the patient core was really heterogeneous. The mean duration of symptoms was 10 plus minus 12 months. The authors did not provide us with a range, but the standard deviation is quite considerable. This does indicate that they have included acute and chronic cases, but at least in our hands, we do treat those patient cohorts differently. For example, in an acute HAPL stage 4 injury, we would consider fixation of the fragment. In case of a chronic osteochondral defect with a loose body, we would not do so, but rather remove the loose body and apply some sort of cartilage regeneration technique. The considerable wide range of duration of symptoms does also mean that a considerable proportion of patients had symptoms for longer than one year. From our own practice and the literature available, we would have assumed the considerable higher percentage of patients presenting with additional pathologies such as ankle instability or hindfoot valgus. In the current studies, this was an exclusion criteria, which only applied to three patients thus 5%. The simultaneous treatment of additional pathologies affecting the kinematics of the ankle joint is essential in any sort of cartilage repair approach in chronic patients. 
But the patient courts did not only differ etiology of the lesion, meaning acute versus chronic, but also the type of the lesions. We have talked about this before, but we believe that the detailed differentiation between chondral and osteochondral defects is essential. The authors used the HEPL classification to account for this, but they did not perform any sort of multivariant analysis or at least subgroup analysis to account for this. Furthermore, there is a thorough discussion whether microfracturing is sufficient to treat chronic osteochondral defects. For our understanding, the aspired aim for chondral lesions is to restore the cartilage. But for osteochondral lesions, we must restore the bony defect and the cartilage. We fully agree with the authors that microfracturing is current the gold standard for isolated chondral lesions. But as well as other surgeons believe that in osteochondral lesions we must also rebuild the bone stock. One of the most promising procedures to use the autologous matrix-induced chondrogenesis amic procedure. One of the most promising procedures is the use of the autologous matrix-induced chondrogenesis amic procedure. We will hear about this in the next study. So, Sebastian, what impact did this study have on your daily practice? Thanks, Hans, for this detailed analysis of the study. I'm not sure whether there is any particular take-home message in this study for me, but I believe that this study does contribute to the current discussion on adjuvants in chondral or osteochondral defects. But I guess we will stick to microfracturing for chondral lesions and AMIC for appropriate osteochondral lesions. The second paper presented in this podcast is entitled Is there clinical evidence to support autologous matrix-induced chondrogenesis AMIC for chondral defects in the TALUS? A systematic review and meta-analysis by Marcus Walter. Hans, let's hear about the study. Thank you, Sebastian. The paper covers a very important topic as AMIC is becoming the gold standard for the treatment of chondral or better osteochondral lesions of the talus. Nevertheless, we are lacking a recent systematic summary of its results. The authors conducted a systematic review in PubMed and Embase of studies reporting on the clinical outcomes following AMIC for the treatment of chondral lesions of the talus. Studies were included if they had a minimum follow-up of one year, the primary measures were functional outcomes, and if five or more patients were included. Out of 77 citations identified by the search strategy, 15 met the inclusion criteria, including a total of 492 patients. The mean age of this total population was 36 years, ranging from 12 to 68 years, being 75 of them male. The follow-up ranged from 12 to 60 months, with a mean follow-up of 33 months. No RCT could be identified. Nine out of the 15 studies were case series, five prospective and one retrospective cohort studies were included. The quality of the studies was rather low and heterogeneous, reflected by the modified Coleman methodology score ranging from 42 to 76 out of 100. In only six out of 492 patients, a complication occurred. This equals 0.1%. None of these complications was intra or perioperative but all were attributed to revision surgeries due to persistent pain caused by fibrosis, hypertrophic scar, or because of progression of the degenerative arthritis. Furthermore, the authors conducted a meta-analysis for the visual analog scale VAS, the American Orthopedic Foot and Ankle Score AOFAS, and the Foot Function Index FFI. To this end, another three studies were excluded because they used a different outcome parameter, the VAS-FA. This left 12 studies with 323 patients for statistical analysis. 
These were then further grouped according to the follow-up time, in studies with a follow-up of one to two years and in studies with a follow-up of three to five years. For the short-term group with a follow-up of one to two years, a significant improvement was observed for both the VAS by 4.5 points when compared to baseline, as well as the AOFAS by 32 points. The results for the AOFAS were notably affected by one study. After excluding this study, the AOFAS still improved significantly by 30 points. For the midterm group, also a significant improvement was observed for all outcome parameters, with 4.6 points for the VAS, 33 points for the AOFAS, and 31 points for the FFI. It was not possible to correlate clinical features like lesion size, surgical approach, and bone marrow stimulation technique to the reported outcome. The authors concluded that surgical treatment of osteochondral lesions by the AMIC procedure provided significant improvement even up to five years postoperatively in the functional outcome and pain scores when compared to the preoperative values. So Hans, once again it is stunning to realize how limited the evidence is on which we base the recommendation to perform a surgery to patients. Systematic reviews and meta-analysis are essential to summarize the data available. Therefore, we thank the authors for the intensive work. Nevertheless, a systematic review is totally dependent on the quality of the studies included. In this case, not only the number of studies and the number of patients included is very limited. Furthermore, the studies differed in many aspects, thereby limiting the comparability. First of all, what kind of lesions were included in the studies? I'm unable to answer this question. In the title, the authors talk about the treatment of chondral lesions. In the conclusion section, osteochondral lesions are mentioned. We have mentioned this in the study before. We must differentiate between chondral and osteochondral lesions. Five studies used the Mocard scale while three performed a qualitative analysis and the other studies did not seem to report any details regarding the quality or type of the lesion. Further, the results of these analyses are not stated in the review. A clear description of the type and stage of the lesions included would be important to interpret these results. Second, the intervention of bone marrow stimulation, which is an important aspect of the AMIC procedure, varied between the studies. Some performed microfracturing, while others performed microdrilling or nanofracturing. None of the authors seemed to perform bone grafting, which would be required for osteochondral lesions. Another important aspect is the surgical technique. Some authors performed the procedure atheroscopically, others used the arthrotomy, and others again even an osteotomy. It seems obvious that this might make a difference. The authors tried to analyze these subgroups, but this result in such a small sample size that a statistical analysis does not seem valid anymore. Nevertheless, in the study with a rate of 97% of osteotomy, the lowest mean AOFAS was observed with 76 compared to exemplary 88 in a study where the procedure was performed atheroscopically. One of the most important limitations is that we do not even have one comparative study. Therefore, we cannot conclude that AMIC is better than any other procedure, such as microfracturing alone, OTAS, ACT, or any other type of procedure. Nevertheless, the value of such reviews is immense, as they not only provide us with an overview of the results of the studies available, but also of the limitations. This is a very important aspect for the planning for future studies.
What did I learn for my daily practice? The major point I learned is that the AMIC procedure seems to be very safe, even though the complication rate of 0.1% feels very low to me. Unfortunately, the analysis did not allow to calculate a ratio of patients in which the procedure led to a clinically relevant improvement, nor was it possible to identify any factor like lesion size, surgical approach, or the bone marrow stimulation technique influencing the results. Still, we are able to tell our patients that it seems to lead to a significant decrease of pain and a significant increase in function over at least five years. I hope you all have enjoyed this session as much as I did. I hope you tune in next time to Ankle Surgery Update Science Guiding Treatment. And as always, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter or any other social platform. Stay safe and tune in next time.